This is Restless. Welcome back to Restless. We are not on ESPN, but we are a podcast covering the rise and fall of Mars Hill. Pastor Michael, how are you doing? Well, coming in uh, nice and and getting those summer vibes with uh, Memorial Day day. <laughs> I don't know what I was going with that, but it was Memorial Day. And so I had some fun time with my family and we got to play around in a creek on our property and get to see some family. And that was really nice. Got to um, treat ourselves. We were eating treats all day mm. and I felt it. I got a nap in and I feel pretty good. Wow. What a great day. And that means I hope you're <laughs> no, ready. It was so like, it was so like, yeah, nobody cares. <laughs> well, no, I hope you're ready for a great night discussing what I consider to be the worst episode of the rise and fall of Mars Hill yet. Yeah. Um, now I, cause I haven't heard them all so far. Cue the, cue the uh, Simpsons meme. You know, yep. this is the worst worst episode so far now when this episode came out a a listener tagged us on facebook and said i think this episode where they make a bobby knight comparison is really unfair and i again have not been listening to these or looking ahead for this reason and was like oh i wonder what that means well (laughs) dear listener this weekend i found out about what the Bobby Knight problem was. And you learned about Bobby Knight. Did you know who Bobby Knight was before this? Uh, I knew the the scantest of details that he was an angry basketball coach uh, in Indiana. So, yeah. So I'm not, you know, I do not follow the sports scene all that much. And so I did not know who this was. And so I personally learned some about Bobby Knight. So let's let's describe why this episode was called the Bobby Knight problem with this week's episode thesis. As you know, all of the rise and fall of Mars Hill episodes are designed and exist to uh, not just tell the story of Mars Hill, but like all stories being retold, it's making a point. There's something they want you to learn. And this one, it's very apparent because they they state it uh, directly. So this week's episode thesis has to do with the Bobby Knight problem, because this week's thesis is Mars Hill had a Bobby Knight problem. This is when, and this is almost a direct quote from the episode, when an institution or organization becomes so wrapped up in a singular identity of one man, they spend all their time trying to protect and insulate that person. And that point obviously of this is that is exactly what happened at mars hill with mark driscoll pastor michael we are not going to be playing a lot of clips from this episode because we spend about i timed it about 20 to 25 minutes retelling the bobby knight story so that begs us to ask a question before we dive much into what was covered from the mars hill story is how helpful was this analogy, do you think? So this whole episode s- sounded to me as I listened to it and as I listened to it again, 
as somebody who heard the Bobby Knight story and was really intrigued. And then while they were working on another project about a man who was known for uh, maybe being a little bit much, uh, they then thought, oh man, I got to use some of this material that I've been reading about, learning about. Uh, that's how it struck me. It did not strike me uh, as much as, wow, look at this exact parallel of this situation. Now, obviously you can find parallels. I mean, there's there's definitely things that, that are similar. And um, with the main thesis of, you know, everything is kind of built around this one man and then you're forced to kind of protect that person. There is something there, right? And I think you probably see it with the Bobby Knight stuff. You, you definitely saw it at Mars Hill. You definitely see it in Big Eva in general. Uh, but it was not strong. It was, right. I think you could have, like you could have delved into that and why that is and why we do that in a way that was not a different podcast. Like this would make an interesting serial podcast telling the full story of Indiana basketball and Bobby Knight. That'd be yeah. really interesting, I think. You know, right. serial style, really interesting. Um, this is not that podcast. Right. And I think that there are, I think you're right. I think really Mike Cosper just likes college basketball and wanted to talk about it. Yeah. And when you make the statements generic enough, two people in an institution that mattered we're protected, right? I mean, like, okay, you know, we could, we might as well do like Suleiman the Magnificent, like soon <laughs> from the 1400s, you know, we could do this yep. in almost any, there are so many examples, but I think this is a thing you and I often say when we talk about illustrations and preaching, the point of retelling this story for more than half the episode is not because it is because it's an of its entertainment value not yep. because it actually helps me at the end go oh that totally illuminates what was happening at mars hill right and what i think is potentially problematic is that i actually think it confuses the issue mm. even more yeah yeah i actually think that we've run across this quite a few times already where connections are are being made or you know maybe even some of the times when experts are brought in to talk about their particular field whatever it might be and what it does is it does seem to um, it complicates things right like mm. it it adds in all of these look at all of these elements of what's going on and all of a sudden you're like wait a minute some of these are not quite right some of these are not true some of these don't really connect right we're going to talk about some of that uh, in this episode some of these uh, instances are not the same. We we talked about this. This is very common, I think, uh, in uh, kind of modern polemic. Uh, we talked about this when we worked through Jesus and John Wayne. This was a very common thing. Here, let me string these things together or these people together as if they are the same, as if they're in the same place, as if they have the same story. But when you look into it more deeply, you realize, wait a minute, these are not the same at all. Mm. So we are going to try and pull on some interesting threads from the episode but i do not unlike many of our other episodes i do not expect this one to go on very long but pastor michael just so people at least have some context in case they don't listen at all to the rise and fall of mars hill do you want to give the most broad strokes 
please don't spend 25 minutes. Please give us three to four sentences of who Bobby Knight was. So speaking as an expert, having not known who this was until I heard this podcast, Bobby Knight was a coach for, uh, was it Indiana University? Is that where it was? Indiana Indiana University, IU. Um, So uh, in Indiana, and he took his team to a championship of some kind, I think. A number of times, yep. A number of times, was well-known, was also kind of known for some outbursts, like throwing a chair across the court and things like this. And then it came out later that he was perhaps much more, uh, uh, you know, verbally abusive and emotionally abusive to uh, those that he was coaching. And uh, when this came out, he was protected, it seems, by the university because he had done such a good job for them and kept winning them championships. And so um, they decided to protect him, uh, even at the cost of players. And then eventually it kind of came out and all fell apart. Yeah. Does that, does that kind of right? Basically. And, and that, right. The scandal, the real scandal was around him allegedly, and then proved with video him choking a player and that even though they protected him, kept his job and they gave, they had to do some kind of like, Hey, these things can never happen. Yeah. And right. What people felt like was a really smoking gun of probably how bad, a guy he probably was is he failed to keep even whatever you know these these boxes like you can't touch players or all these things and he broke those provably and demonstrably and was eventually fired and so you know the point is that this university had so had had this success caused them to misalign their priorities so much that they were willing to shrug or ask how bad is it really is are you know are what are you really saying about this now here's the part of the problem there's let me say there's two problems with this one they have brought this point up over and over in the podcast this actually isn't covering a new idea now it's an yep. important idea in the church when we value wrong things when we um, take wrong views of success problems obviously occur but that's not new that i've we are you know, 10 episodes into this and that has come up over and over again. Yep. It was interesting thinking about it through the lens of what we talked about with the Joshua Harris uh, yep. episode where it really, you know, Mike Cosper is really pushing on this celebrity issue that this is really the kind of the core of the issue. Um, and even there, you see how that's actually kind of faulty. And Josh Harris has a point that, no, it's not all just the celebrity issue, but here again is a whole episode that's like this, look, it's, it's the celebrity of this person. It's what they're able to do. It's their success. And so now the rest of us have to come around and protect them in some way. Yes. And secondarily, I actually think the events they try and draw on from the Mars Hill story that they're talking about at the beginning of this, I was so drawn in and so interested in this, this story. And I think, again, I think what happened just and it happens because I make things like this. I understand how it goes. They had this great partial story where Driscoll could get protested by people unhappy with his comments about women. He agrees to meet with people to try and walk through these issues. Really interesting. I mean, that is such a fascinating, um, like that was such a fascinating look. Obviously part of the reason this can't be developed 
perhaps as far as it would have been interesting to do so is no one from Mars Hill past Driscoll, people who don't like him, people who still maybe like him or not, none of them will talk to them, right? And so you all they have are like the two people that were angry with him who yep. then publicly accepted their his apology. And then later we're like, well, I can't believe I accepted his apology. Right. Actually, I didn't like that anymore. <laughs> and because we are we are so committed to bad Driscoll, we can't question, like, we can't push him really hard, like, hey, you I mean, you accepted it. Like you right. You Yeah, so what was that all about? Let's, yeah, like let's push on that more. And and so that story is so interesting. And I was yeah. very interested at the beginning of this episode. And then we came in with this long, drawn out explanation of who Bobby Knight was, why it mattered in Indiana, um, what this has to say about abuse, what this has to say about abuse in the church. And, and I suddenly, I had this moment of hope, which meant I knew it was going to be dashed the moment it crossed my mind. I'll just be honest, is I was sitting there thinking about how you know, they are making these parallels of how insane the NCAA system is ran, which it is. And they start, and I mean, in this episode, they talk about Bobby Knight as an example of this. They talk about Harvey Weinstein as an example of this. They talk about Ravi Zacharias as an example of this. And I'm, I'm, I'm driving somewhere while I'm listening to this. And I took this audio and I, as I suddenly said, I was like, wow unless they come out with a smoking gun of like a, of an abuse narrative of a, we have video of you choking someone, right? Like we have, I, I don't want to talk about, you know, the, they're so shameful and horrible. The things that obviously Harvey Weinstein is in prison for and was revealed about Ravi Zacharias right before and after his death. If we don't have something like that come out of this, even for as much criticism which we've offered plenty that Driscoll deserves that his ministry should not be endorsed because of this is pretty defamatory. If we're going to put him in, in these terms of physical, sexual and predatory people. And I don't think we get it. I don't think we justify this now these analogies by the end, but this is, so the, the craze of trying to like fit everything into the narrative of kind of the, the now, um, you know, kind of egalitarian, um, you know, uh, we want to be on the side of women, particularly victims, right? Like this, this narrative, which has its pluses, right? Like that, like some aspects of it are good as any narrative, right? There are elements of good. When it becomes the thing, right? When, when, like, you know, the, the, uh, everybody is, uh, you know, uh, subject to abuse in some way narrative, when that becomes the thing that you have to look through, you know, this is the lens you use for everything now. Um, there were abusive, like, power, like, uh, maybe not abusive based on how we've worked to define it in the past, but like there were abuses of power mm-hmm. in the Mars Hill story that are obvious yep. and glaring, right? Yep. But to string that together then with a lot of these other incidents is to show basically a lack of imagination in that 
Like right. people are sinful in a lot of different ways. Right. Not just one, you know, like there is, yes, like that one way is sinful. It's wicked. And there are other ways to sin. And, but when that's all you have, when that's your only lens and you can't look outside of it, all of a sudden that's the only story that you can tell over and over and over again. And Which is happened. why, by the way, when you see Bobby Knight, you're like, oh, this is Driscoll, right? right? It's the same thing. It has to be the same thing. Oh, oh, Harvey Weinstein, like that's, they're all the same person. Well, right. actually, it's a little bit more complicated than that. And because what's actually interesting about this, these, this conflict I'm describing is it actually isn't a great example of power structural setup for abuse. Now, we've had that. Right. The, the stories where we're firing elders, where we're going to build this sucker so nobody can get to him. Those that's a that's a that is what that actually is. Those are examples of of abuse. Um, and, you know, I, I think we've talked about how some of the ways he probably dealt with people would be some level of clergy misconduct. Though, again, when we put him in the category of what Ravi Zacharias was doing, we we just we. It gets outrageous, but this actually brings up one of the clips that I had saved that I thought if our conversation took us there, potentially getting there. And it is on this narrative of abuse that they describe. So let's listen to it. We'll see if we uh, if we if this forwards gives a good example of what Pastor Michael's talking about. Well, we it is a good thing, Pastor Michael, I did not plan on having us play really many clips tonight because the rise and fall of Mars Hill, the podcast, is down everywhere. It's down everywhere. This is so weird. Um, every podcast catcher that we go to anyway. So it must be uh, just down from CT. And so, I mean, on their website, it's down. It's down everywhere. So if uh, if by the time this was just an error on their website and they, they get it uh, back, that, that won't be the worst thing in the world. However, if not i would i'm gonna need some help for someone to help me find the last three episodes at least of this podcast so that we can it's uh, gotta be a so they wouldn't cut this thing out this thing's a cash cow right now you know there's is, a lot of is. there's a lot coming in for this there's no way it's just down down well so i guess we are going to move on we're going to uh move on to what might be the more interesting question um, from this episode so early on in the episode this let's talk about the only things from driscoll then in this episode that we actually get we don't get any audio from driscoll at any point we get audio from these people meeting with him uh trying to diffuse this protest um they are a vineyard pastor both the man and his wife the wife are our vineyard pastors but the episode also begins in a pretty bombastic way it begins describing ted haggard's fall from ministry which if you didn't know is a insane and truly uh i mean spectacular not in because it's amazing but it is so unbelievable uh i'm going to please if you have a child i'm going to say one sentence about how this thing ended and just so you get the idea. But if you have a child, this one sentence is probably not for them. A male gay stripper came forward and said that Ted Haggard was doing meth with him and off his body in uh, like clubs, gay clubs. 
and it and was he, proven true. And he came forward because of the hypocrisy, because Ted Haggard at the time was also one of the most outspoken advocates against homosexuality, at least as far as like mega right. church. He pastors. was the family, family uh, values guy. And they had a humongous reach and were planning on like doing a, this kind of great commission thing where they were going to send out people to every country in the world. Right. This is how big a church and organization that was going on. Yeah, so that's where the, the episode starts. And I kind of had a, a moment of, ooh, just, it's never a good thing to hear about. But the reason it comes up, it actually does come up uh, fairly because there, Driscoll at the time, like many people, decided to comment on it. Now they share a quote from him and I was not able to find the entire article where Driscoll wrote this. And so you have to take, um, take this with a grain of salt, but, but this is part of Driscoll's comment on it. And now the one thing they don't really say that is clear, even in the Huffington post article where they likely got this quote from that Driscoll does in his personal dog blog, condemn Ted Haggard, right? He, he, he makes pretty unequivocal statements about, how bad Ted Haggard. So this is not in was. the context of I'm defending him in any Correct. way. But he does go on to what uh, he described as offer some practical suggestions on how to avoid temptation that consumed Ted Haggard. Okay. And so here's the one that um, is read at the beginning of this episode. And Pastor Michael, I, I guess we're we're going to we're going to we're going to talk through this quote cuz here we go and then we're going to talk about the quote that it's paired with and why i think it's actually interesting and p- important with how they tell this story so the quote is this most pastors i know do not have satisfying free sexual conversations and liberties with their wives at risk of being even more widely despised than i currently am I will lean over the plate and take one for the team on this. It is not uncommon to meet with pastors, wives who really let themselves go. They sometimes feel that because their husband is a pastor, he is therefore trapped into fidelity, which gives them cause for laziness. A wife who lets herself go and is not sexually available to her husband in the ways the song of songs is so frank about is not responsible for her husband's sins but she may not be helping him either. Pastor Michael, this was one of his practical suggestions about avoiding temptation. That yeah. took down Ted Haggard. Here's a practical suggestion. Um, if you are responding to somebody's like unbelievable, like out of this world, kind of like extreme infidelity and scandal, it's probably not the place to talk about how maybe some pastor's wives let themselves go. That's wow. Also when you hear this, like, so I, I hate that Driscoll always does this thing where uh, I I'm like, I'm like trying to like pull out what is actually like, there's like, there's some truth in here and I'm like digging through it. And I'm like, okay, there is some truth. Lean over the plate. I'm not, I'm not, I I don't want to lean over the plate. This is not a hill I would ever die on uh, for, you know, dying for Driscoll and defending him. I'm not even defending him, uh, but 
Uh, you guys know our email when you're unhappy about whatever the next <laughs> sentence is going to be. So we're waiting. I'm waiting for them. There's some true things that he says here. But when, but when you hear, when you hear Driscoll say it, the, the issue is that we know from context now, at least, I don't know when this came out. I don't know what happened. But we know the kinds of stuff that Driscoll thought was normal. Right. that he would like write in his marriage book about what's acceptable in the marriage relationship what and what it should look like. What he described in the song. What he thinks song. is described in the song of songs. When he gives whole sermons about how like women, like if you're not stripping in front of your husband and doing all this stuff, like then like there's a problem because we know that like his idea of what like a satisfying sex life in a pastor's life is like and open and free what what is he say open and free yeah, yeah. conversation yeah. well like we have a like at least the public view of what that's like for him and it's not good you know like it's right. really unhealthy right. and so when he's saying that it's like well i'm not sure he has any like real handle on the actual situation right so well, that's i'm not to see i'm not defending yeah. that right because because here's why no matter whatever kernel of truth there is in this, and I'll, and I'll go on to explain what I think the kernel of truth is here in a second. None of it applies to a man with a yep. gay <laughs> prostitute doing meth. Like none nope, of that is like, all. there's no like, well, if only, <laughs> like there's nothing you can say that like, I, 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 like can't, I can't believe we're even talking about this. But uh, obviously, there's, no, there's there. just we no. Gotta... That's why, like, that's why there was no, there was no room for practical help, because, like, I guess, like, well, maybe you should have done meth together. Maybe that would have drawn your marriage. Like, there's, there's nothing there. Like, this the... is so far gone. This is so far outside of like the. Yeah, I'm like I'm kind of de- you know kind of sad and depressed that you yep. know my sex life isn't quite what I would like, and so I'm kind of discouraged about it. That's not yeah. this situation. Yeah, you know, like that's not what we're dealing with here. Right. Um, and so, but the the secondary, so the, the two kernels of truth it's based on is that Paul does say that the marriage relationship is part of how God is designed yes. to guard not just men, but men and women from sexual sin and lust. That's that is one thing God has said happens. And so what obviously what your point was knowing everything he says knowing all these things it's so far removed from paul's like even just imagine like how a first century person would have understood any part of the marriage relationship like in general that like well that it's partially a business partnership that it's designed around children it's designed around a household like all of these things that are stripped away that have no context, right? There's just almost no comparison of it. And then the second thing is, and then this is what I think is the like, and this is how I actually think he tries. This is how I think it would have played to me at the time um, is, and again, potentially too far in one direction. And that's fine. Is that the making your marriage work, the marriage relationship is a two way street. Yeah. Like that. It, it requires both people. And, and while a person might sin, and I'm not even talking about sexual sin, I'm just saying like a person might sin and they're totally responsible for their sin. The other person 
is a party and is like there are they are involved in it right they are not like because both people are sins they both have bring their sin to a situation even if it's one spouse that's sinning against the other and again i'm i'm talking about things you're talking about a normal situation i'm talking about like arguments right i'm not talking about like (laughs) i'm talking about like me snapping at my wife or my children right that's totally my responsibility and there are things other people in my home could have done to contribute to it. My response is totally on me, right? I'm not yep. talking about any, and of course it applies to more, again, more like grounded, like more, like more things that don't sound like a Netflix special, um, like that don't sound like Tiger King, right? Like the, the church equivalent of that. But yeah, that, that's all I'm saying is that these are the, the things that about it that are, um are true and are both unpopular today i don't exactly know why um but they are unpopular today but again yeah there's just there's obviously no way to make this there's no way this could have been possible like there was no way this was possibly a helpful time to lean over the plate yeah you think about like just even just like this just seems like you are a socially awkward person that has to bring things up at right. the wrong time. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, oh, yeah. you know, like you have that, like that, like uncle or grandpa. And it's always like when you're at the family get together, like they're going to say something uh, kind of, you know, uh, a little bit uh, too, you know, right wing for the rest of the family or whatever. Right. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're going to say something that's like, oh, great. Like, here we go. Um, and it's always like, why did you bring that up? Like, it doesn't have to be brought up, you know, like we don't have to, Grandpa, we don't have to discuss immigration this Thanksgiving because it's just not necessary, you know, right. but you just like, there's those people who are like, I have to bring this up in this moment. And I don't know why it is. I don't personally understand it. Um, I think some are actually just unaware. I think some like enjoy bringing those sorts of things up and getting people riled up. But like, that's what this feels like. Like, this is. This is so not the context for you to do that, that I feel like somebody who's all about communication should know that. And that makes me think, okay, well then this was kind of intentional because Driscoll loved to push these kinds of things, push these buttons, lean over the plate, you know, like he liked doing that kind of a thing. There is, there is some shock jock to what he's doing. Now it's paired with a second quote and I'm going to read a little bit longer one. Because I think this is like, if we just had uh, Driscoll at the worst, this quote that they read directly after it as an example of, of Driscoll's abusive behavior, right? And so, again, the reason they're sharing these quotes at the beginning is they're saying, just like Bobby Knight, if this is what he was willing to do in front of people, what would he do behind closed doors, right? That's That's the whole point of this. And so... We'll see if how Pastor Michael feels with how the that last quote, which we have just said is pretty insane, how it's paired with this one from a blog titled. I just love how this blog is titled. I'm sorry that I like it, but so just everyone get ready for it. Um, <laughs> oh man, I I I'll, I'll let this part go to the patrons, but you know this is like the people mad at this. It's like the full soy reaction. But here we go. This blog title was written. Episcopalians and male testosterone show corresponding decline. So, oh man, brutal. 
So he wrote this in um, in the wake of, I believe it might have even been whatever diocese is over Washington and Seattle. Uh, they, oh, it's in Nevada. They uh, elected a female bishop. And so here is the, here is a few, just three paragraphs from, so I'm going to read just a little more than they did. So you have a little more context for what he says. In a surprising decision, the Episcopal Church voted Nevada Bishop Catherine Jeffords Scorey as its first female leader of the entire church at their general convention in June. In related news, the testosterone levels of male Americans has dropped significantly in the past 20 years. By the way, this is completely true. Uh, you can go find this out. And then it cites a journal of clinical endocrinology and metabolism. All of this has led this blogger to speculate, which is Driscoll again, that if Christian man's Christian males do not man up soon. Ooh, we've got man up here, which is a trigger for a lot of people. If Christian males do not man up soon, the Episcopalians may vote a fluffy bunny rabbit as their next bishop to lead God's men. When asked for their perspective, some bunny rabbits simply said that they have been discriminated against long enough and that people need to get over it. So this is this was the second quote, that last part. Uh, by the way, one of his critics uh, said, luckily, Mark has enough testosterone for all of us. So that was one of the ways people oh, clapped back at him, which. What dude, a burn. Yeah, what not a, a rough, burn. Rough that, burn. <laughs> yeah, dude, that was a cell phone. That was a sad cell phone. So, <laughs> so Pastor Michael, how do you feel about Driscoll uh coming out with this as a secondary quote? Do you feel so mixed and torn up about this quote as you did his uh advice stemming from the ted haggard debacle this is again let's string things together where let's let's paint this narrative but one of these things is not like the other right maybe mm. so yes did driscoll use more like uh could we shock say, jock like, language yeah shock jock juvenile language yep Right. And that's how he talked all the time about everything. Yep. Uh, like that's how he, you know, described different theological belief systems. Right. Right. This, this is, you know, God, some of you are all just matchsticks anyway. Right. Right. Like that's okay. Like that's, that's it. Um, that, that is how he talks, um, which you might have problems with and that's acceptable, but that is how he talks. Uh, but to string this next to what is a, like just a, a very, strange um problematic you know bringing up this topic that really has nothing to do with this great scandal when this is simply driscoll is complementarian doesn't believe women should be leading god's church as the bible teaches and so he says it in a shock jockey way right and this is a great time to promote. If you would like to hear how Driscoll sounds today in his most uh, revved up, you can find us reacting to all of Driscoll's quote unquote best rants from last year. And if you're worried that be still my heart, they might be too much for you. I promise you, they are so toned down. They're they, not. We, we can't even, he could not even touch the hem of these classic driscoll rants with what he's doing now but we have we usually have a good time doing them but that's on but patreon he, by the way that's our yeah. that's that's behind the paywall on patreon if you want yep. to find those so 
here's what's really striking. So they share these two quotes at the beginning. And after this second quote, the, uh, this female um, vineyard pastor who is part of this kind of this movement that was going to go protest his church, despite how radical a step that says. And she said, this is one I had went too far. Note, it was not from the Ted Haggard quote. The Ted Haggard quote was not the moment where it was like, you cannot speak to women like this. It was when he made a comment about how negative a thing it was that there was a female, um, whatever, archbishop in the Episcopal Church in America. And that is when I was like, oh, this, this is where we're going. And, and, and I actually think what's so striking about this conflict, and we can leave it here because this, again, I think is the most, was the most interesting part is in this meeting, in this confrontation, what they want to keep bringing it back to is that they're unhappy. They don't, they quote unquote, don't care what he believes about these issues. That's not what's important to them. That's not what matters to them. What they're worried about is how his comments are hurting women. Now, obviously this podcast has cataloged ways and we've even talked about some of them tonight about how his, his, overall vibe and the things he were doing were were and could be hurtful to women however what he keeps apparently insisting in this conversation is that well they're the women in my church aren't offended by what i'm saying because they don't believe women should be pastors and they just keep saying like well we don't care what you believe it's how you're saying these things that's really the problem and he keeps bringing up these doctrinal differences. And when they get to the point of asking him to apologize, the elder that is there with him says, we can't have him apologize for this because it will be sounding like he's apologizing for our beliefs about male-only ordination and pastors. And so I think it's, this is, here's what's so striking about this. There's two things. One And he does then issue an apology about his tone, that there are things he, that now again, whether we should accept this apology as at all sincere or not is totally beside the point. Now I will note the people in this conflict at the time uh, did accept the apology. Now they've done takesy-backsies like everyone has about Driscoll things now. But what's so striking is one, he, he does, he is willing to apologize for his tone. He's willing to meet with these people. That's why this is a fascinating occurrence and two it does actually appear in the end to be a doctrinal issue but what's fascinating is this seems to be the precise way the mars hill podcast this podcast is handling everything it's not about the doctrine it's not about these foundational beliefs it's all about how he acted except that maybe we are questioning the underlying beliefs about complementarianism as well Absolutely. And it, it comes across so obvious. And let's be real. Um, those, those who hold this view, when they hear the complementarian position, no matter how nicely it is put, they hear it as a problem in tone. They hear it as a problem in how you're talking. They do. Like that is how they hear it at all. You could say it in the most nonchalant, kind way. And they still are like, that sounds bad, right? Like that sounds wrong. Uh, And you can't get away from that. And so 
Um, yeah, that it was very striking that that became really the issue again, which we've said time and time again, right? This, oh, look, it's just, it is literally just an apologetic for egalitarianism. And they're using Driscoll as if you're not for egalitarianism, you're like Driscoll. You're in the same camp. You believe the same stuff and all this, you know, mean stuff he said and all the power hungry stuff he did and all the people he hurt. You're just like that. That's what it's doing. That is the rhetorical device being employed. Well, thanks for joining us on this review of the rise and fall of Mars Hill without any audio of it. How do you think it went, Pastor Michael? I think it was okay. Um, You know, it definitely is fun to react to clips, but uh, when they all go down for some reason, I think, by the way, that maybe uh, Driscoll finally got his hackers on it and they took it down, but we'll find out. We will find out why this is.